episode 201. And now here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. And welcome back, everybody, to the Dharmic Evolution. Hey, great to have you guys with us once again. And we're going to step back in time and we're going to revisit a time when I was in this band called KO Electric um, with um, two other gentlemen, uh, Mike Carroll and Charles Peer. And uh, we were tearing it up in North Jersey at the time and doing some original music. And this is going to be a featured track from an album we put out and never really officially, officially put it out yet. But who knows, it may happen this year. And the title of the album was 1989. Yes, um, Taylor Swift, I think, had the same title for her record a couple years ago, I think. But um, this was put out, I think, probably before Taylor was born. (laughs) And uh, a surprise guest on this track Uh, doing vocals with myself was Lisa Hudson and I believe her name is now uh, Lisa Stevens but um, her and her at the time husband I don't know if they're still married or whatever but uh, it was Curtis and Lisa Hudson but I think she goes by Lisa Stevens now anyway voice of an angel wait till you hear the singing um, on this track and I'll get into a little story about when she came in to do the vocals and uh and what was going on in the studio at the time. Anyway, Family of Strangers, it's all about, you know, where were we going back then as far as the family, um, as far as people breaking up, divorces, um, you know, second mothers, third fathers, second home, third home, people being mixed up and confused, and it has not gotten too much better. So I want to dig into the, you know, the whys, the why do these things happen, the reasons, and where we're going now. And I also want to compare a little bit about what's happening in Europe versus the United States and feature this song, Family of Strangers. So you better strap up your seatbelts, because we're going for a ride with KO Electric and Family of Strangers. Are you a singer-songwriter, author, speaker, or thought leader? Have you been looking for a platform for your career? Well, the James O'Connor Agency has exactly what you are looking for. Find out how we write and produce big, amazing songs on Music Row for authors, speakers, thought leaders, and organizations like nonprofit and corporations. We also help singer-songwriters and artists by giving them a platform on Dharmic Evolution, a podcast designed specifically to broadcast your global career, now in 71 countries and with more than 161 episodes of artists all over the world from all genres. We know how to reach your target audience. Are you a dreamer like James? Then reach out today to james at thejamesoconnoragency.com and find out how we can help your global career. Did you ever stop and wonder, like, how did divorce get so out of control? Um, it's it's so um, it's so rampant today. It's just like everywhere, and it seems like um, 
I guess we just all take it. We're, we're almost like um, oblivious to it or become immune to uh, the fact that it is, it's out there and it's very, very damaging and very hurtful in many, many cases. Um, and in some cases, I guess, you know, people do find uh, that it is uh, a chance at a new life. Um, but I think we've just become completely, how, how should I say it? We're anesthetized to the fact that eh, it's just, you know, it's part of life. It's part of society. And yes, it is. But I, I feel kind of bad about it still. And that's what prompted me to write Family of Strangers. It's, it's really all about the disintegration of the American family because that's the only one I know about. I can't really talk about Europe. I want to talk a little bit about uh, overseas in this broadcast also just cite a couple of um, statistics and so forth but family of strangers came from me just kind of looking at families and especially from a child's perspective like uh, what has happened to me you know as a kid growing up in the 60s I had my own challenges with uh, growing up with you know things that were not cool with me but it wasn't about um, the nucleus of the family. There was something that always felt um, like, you know, it's like this is the way it is. It's togetherness. It's like your place to go, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever it is, that's the family and that's where you go. Um, you know, you had two parents, hopefully, that were raising you. And I think that was kind of the norm and you didn't want that upset and if you heard about a divorce it was almost like hearing about leprosy and um <laughs> you know not that i ever knew anybody who, who was a leper i've never met anybody who had that disease but it was kind of like you you said you didn't even talk about it you didn't discuss divorce and if somebody was getting a divorce it was like swept under the carpet you didn't you didn't talk about it and you felt there was something really inherently wrong with him or her or that couple. And can you imagine, like, you know, getting divorced back then? It must have been a horrible relationship because no one could even face the idea of, of getting a divorce back then. It was not, certainly not mainstream. <laughs> it was not something that was uh, condoned by any of the organized religious groups, I'm sure, so it had to be a horrible situation. And what happens to the kids then and now? I think um, it's just when you get into um, another family situation, it's really, really difficult. Like, let's say, you know, she has two kids and he has one kid and they decide to remarry. You know, that blending or that trying to um, assimilate all these different personalities and past experiences all under one roof, it's a real difficult thing to accomplish. And that's why the divorce rates for second and third time go up, like even the percentage-wise goes through the roof. I think it's like 60%, I think, of second marriages fail and like 75% of third marriages fail. So uh, I'm going to dig in just a little bit to this subject because I just want to inspire people's thinking to say if this um, podcast can help in some way to uh, rethink or realign what your priorities should be about going down that road again, I, I think you should take the time to do that. 
uh, certainly we don't want to have to repeat mistakes we've made in the past. So let's dig in a little bit here. I want to start with, um, there's this New York Times uh, blog here by Natalie Angier. And uh, this is from 2013, so this is, this is old. But um, American households have never been more diverse, more surprising, more baffling. In this issue of Science Times, Natalie Angier takes stock of our changing definition of family. So this goes right into the subject of family to strangers. So this is from Chelsea, Michigan. Christy and Michael Burns have a lot in common. They love crossword puzzles, football, going to museums, and reading five or six books at a time. They describe themselves as mild-mannered introverts who suffer from an array of chronic medical problems. The two share similar marital resumes, too. On their wedding day in 2011, the groom was 43 years old and the bride 39. Yet it was marriage number three for both of them. Today, their blended family is a sprawling, sometimes uneasy ensemble of two sharp-eyed sons from her two previous husbands, a daughter and a son from his second marriage, ex-spouses of varying degrees of involvement, the partners of ex-spouses, the bemused in-laws, and a kitten named Agnes that likes to sleep on computer keyboards. All right, so get rid of Agnes and then start working your way down. Ex-spouses? <laughs> this is crazy. If the Burnses seem atypical as an American nuclear family, how about the Schult Weisers, a merry band of two married dads, six kids, and two dogs? Or the Andrak Kirschnens, a successful immigrant couple in Atlanta whose teenage daughter divides her time between prosaic homework and the precision footwork of an ancient Hindu dance? The Glusaks of Los Angeles, with their nearly two grown children and their litany of middle-class challenges that seem like minor sagas. Anna Perez and Julian Hill of Harlem, unmarried and just getting by, but with Warren Buffett-sized dreams for their three young children, and the alarming number of families with incarcerated parents, a sorry byproduct of American status as the world's leading jailer. So that's disturbing in itself. Why is the United States the leading jailer. I mean, what are we doing so wrong? It seems like we, we are the worst at so many things. Like our jails are the most populated in the world. We have uh, more crime, I think, than anybody. Um, and what's going on with that? Why are we, so, we're supposed to be such an evolved and advanced society, but yet we have all these incarceration problems. Is it the laws or is it, you know, our social paradigms and the way we think and the way we, be, we treat each other? I think it's a combination. And another question I have is like, when people keep getting together like this and getting remarried, is it that, is it, you know, it seems like the family is like collapsing, but we're getting remarried with other family members, you know, um, is it, do we want a family that bad or do we want to just not be alone? I think it's not be alone in, in many cases. Um, so I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't really know any of any of the answers to these questions that I'm throwing out. But it seems like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of soul searching and digging that we need to work on ourselves before we get um, thrown into another relationship or throw ourselves into another relationship. Because I think we carry a lot of things around with us that we're unaware of. 
And all of a sudden, these situations uh, manifest themselves and they come out when you're with somebody who's becoming that significant other or already became that significant other. And you just think it's so good and this is the one and it's just going to last forever. And I, I don't think in most cases that's true. I think what happens is we repeat mistakes from our past and I think we need to take the time to make sure that we don't increase the family of strangers and figure out you know, who we are first and what we really, really want. Here's another one I want to just dig into, and this is what I talked about. It's the high failure rate of second and third marriages, and this is from Mark Banshek. He's an MD. It's called The Intelligent Divorce. Conventional wisdom tells us that those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. So why are second and third marriage so much more likely to fail? South African writer, potter, translator, teacher, and divorcee based in Israel, Leo Averbach returns to explain. Past statistics have shown that in the U.S., 50% of first marriages, 67% of second and 73% of third marriages end in divorce. What are the reasons for this progressive increase in divorce rates? Theories abound. One common explanation is that a significant number of people enter a second marriage on the rebound of a first or second divorce. Often the people concerned are vulnerable. They do not allow sufficient time to recover from their divorce or to get their priorities straight before taking their vows again. They enter their next marriage for the wrong reasons, not having internalized the lessons of their past experience. They are liable to repeat their mistakes, making them susceptible to similar conflicts, and another broken marriage follows. Now you can go out to any bar in America, restaurant, and just sit there and eavesdrop. As a matter of fact, I wrote a song called Gender Genocide on this same subject. Um, not really about the family, but about the divorce thing. And just, just listen to the women who get together and compare notes on their divorce. Or men, you know, thinking, hey man, I really got over, I got the best lawyer because she didn't get this and I got this and, and you know, I got this from him and... Don't worry, I got him, you know, I got him in a corner. And there's this whole um, strategy where people who were supposed to have loved one another at one point have now turned on each other in the most vicious of ways. And they're like celebrating. And, you know, I've heard women talking about divorce parties. Yeah, I'm having a divorce party. I said, what is that? Are you kidding? So um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of... Uh, it's a little disturbing, you know, to say that, well, if you're feeling that way about this person that you used to love, you're probably not that emotionally healthy. I mean, you shouldn't be celebrating it. There had to have been some times that were good. There had to have been some moments where you felt like you were really, truly in love. So this, I guess this helps ease the pain by saying, well, I'm going to put on my good face and celebrate and be so happy about that. There must have been some damage uh, to someone, either yourself or to him or her or to some children. So I don't think if you're in that state, you know, getting back to this gentleman's point, it's like you're not in a really good place to go out and, 
have another marriage, let alone even have a, a healthy relationship, because you're not healthy. If you're feeling that way, if you're being vindictive, you're not healthy, emotionally, spiritually healthy. So why are we not healthy? Well, I think the family is collapsing because we've forgotten about God. He like he created the family for a reason. And we're all just too busy, right? We're all accomplishing very, very important things every day. So uh, not fitting God into our world is, is something that's not on the high priority list for most people. Uh, but it is on mine. I want to I continue this by looking at this graph here. This is um, Discover the World's research. And it's like, I won't give you numbers because they're not on here, but I'll give you the countries where uh, it's like divorce. They call it crude divorce rates for select European countries and the United States. I don't know what crude divorce means. Um, it is pretty crude at times, but USA out there, way out in front, and followed by Lithuania as the second. Now, why is Lithuania like a big divorce place? I can't answer any of these questions, but I have them. Then it looks like Germany, uh, Czech Republic, Belgium, Switzerland, Finland, and the UK are all in line there. Then the Netherlands, Iceland, Greece, um, Ireland, and Italy are neck and neck as the lower ones. Uh, so divorce is not as prevalent in those two countries. And, you know, I had this idea about um, is there less divorce? I'm thinking, you know, if the warmer climates, people must stay together because they're probably going to be happier in the warmer climates, not dealing with the freezing cold and the winters and snow and everything. So um, I go and I do a little research here. And uh, no, not at all. Generally, the more warm weather days suitable for bathing attire, the higher the divorce rate. <laughs> the more cold weather days unsuitable for swimwear, the lower the divorce rate. It, this is just like, and then it's like, why is Florida's divorce rate so high? So my, my, uh, my little, you know, my little uh, paradigm, I mean, my little, what do they call that? My little apostrophe, my epiphany was all wrong. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, people would stay together if they lived in the islands or something, but nah, that's not true at all. Uh, according to a recent report by the Census Bureau, Florida holds the seventh highest divorce rate in the nation. Roughly 50,000 couples file for divorce each year. More than 15% of the state's residents are divorced or separated. Of the 50 U.S. cities, which is the highest divorce rates? 11 are in Florida. Why? Place to start over. People go there. Loss of social support network networks. What can divorcing couples do to protect themselves? And there's all these things that, that you can do. So, so that went out the window. Um, forget about um, warm temperatures like saving your marriage. So these, these are just things I wanted to throw out there. And again, I go back to, um, I think we should really, really contemplate the idea of getting ourselves healthy and whole before we go off and just try to immediately knee-jerk reaction. She's beautiful. He's successful and handsome. He's got a nice car. Yeah, that, that fits into my world. And, and really get to know thyself first before you, um, you know, go on this endeavor to uh, select another mate, another possible marriage. 
So let's talk about the song, Family of Strangers. I want to just talk about um, uh, Lisa Hudson, as I knew her back in 1989, I guess it was. I think it was actually a year before that, 1987 or, or 6. I'm not sure when. I think it was 87, 88 that we started to uh, to create these songs and, and the, the recording started. And it was a long time before I had a chance to go back in and and finish uh, some tracks and get the, the, the record completed. But um, uh, Mike Carroll and Charles Peer were playing with me, uh, Charlie on the bass and Mike Carroll on drums. And uh, we had these songs pretty tight. We were playing out a lot and um, just had such a good time with this. And we had the, the nucleus of the song as a three-piece. And then I, I took some time to create some keyboard and other guitar arrangements in it. And then Lisa Hudson was the surprise that my friend Don Sternecker came up with, who uh, owner of Mixolydian Recording Studios. And Don was, uh, I think I had either asked him for a background singer or he had suggested Lisa. And she came in and did a bunch of tracks. And this one was really fun. And I remember Don was having his... Uh, his mixing board worked on and there was this guy he was under the console and he was soldering some connections into the board and Lisa was in the other room like we were getting levels and she was in there singing <laughs> and we were playing back the tracks as we're getting sounds and he was just rolling his eyes like oh my god who is this singing like it was you know all of us were just like it was it was stunning to listen to her sing. She just had a magnificent voice. She's like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to do, you know, two harmonies, three harmonies, four harmonies? <laughs> Whatever you want, I'll do. And, um, you know, just a pleasure to work with. And by the way, um, she wrote um, Holiday for Madonna. Her and her husband, uh, I believe it was Curtis, I think. And um, the two of them, I think, wrote that song together. So that, that was a big, obviously, a smash um, hit song in the, I guess that would be the early 80s, mid-80s. Um, Holiday came out, and Madonna was like, you know, on fire with her career. So they were the ones, I think they lived in Essex County, New Jersey, at the time. And I haven't seen Lisa or talked to her since that day that she came in. To, so I'm going to try to hunt her down and send her this. If anybody out there knows Curtis and Lisa Hudson, please uh, forward this link of this show to them. And so I can just say thank you once again, Lisa, for the incredible work that you do and have done. So that was a really fun experience. So, um, you know, back to the song just for a moment. Um, it's, it's all about the perspective, written from the perspective of being a child and being in this. And the, ch the child is questioning, you know, is this really all there is for me? Is it, what, what is this all about? What is going on here? And, um, you know, I'm in a second, second mother, third home, two step brothers and me. Is this really what God has planned for me? So it's, it's kind of a, a sense of frustration from a child. I didn't live this life. I'm just, I was just imagining and picturing myself in that situation and, and how it must feel for a lot of the youngsters out there who get thrown into these situations and they're forced to accept something that is so, um, so foreign to them. You know, this is not the home that I, I thought I had. This is not the plan I thought I was supposed to be involved in. So, um, so that's where the, um, 
the uh, impetus uh, came from of why write this song? Why, why do I need this song? Why does anybody need Family of Strangers? And um, I've had a lot of people through the years compliment the song and say how much, you know, they liked it and identified with it. And probably especially now because, you know, the millennials and, and the Gen uh, is it Gen Y, Gen X? I got to keep up with my nomenclature on, the, you know, which group has, has come forth. Uh, you know, I, I, I get them all mixed up sometimes. But um, the youngsters who are in their you know, late teens, early 20s, um, there's probably more and more of people who are coming from broken homes or broken marriages or broken relationships who can identify with this song because they're living it. They're living these, these uh, circumstances. Have you connected with your gratitude today? I think I have something that will help inspire you. It's the brand new release from James Kevin O'Connor. Gratitude, recorded on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee with producer Kim Copeland and team, is James' third full-length album in four years. Ten amazing songs, each one a different story about the emotions, journeys and experiences that you and I have lived. Songs like Dreamer, Jesus Teaches, Tango On and 51 Shades of Grey. And of course, the title track, Gratitude. Pick up the brand new CD today with amazing artwork and photography at iTunes, CD Baby and Amazon. Or simply go to jameskevinoconnor.com for your download right now. Send someone that you love a copy of Gratitude today. It might be exactly what they need in their life right now. Gratitude, the new release by James Kevin O'Connor. So I started working with Mike Carroll. I think it was like in 1985 or six, I guess. Um, and um, Mike was, he's just an amazing drummer. Um, he's playing, I believe he's still playing with the Lou Gatewood Band. If you guys are in New Jersey, you can look that up and go see him. Uh, he's playing blues now. He's awesome drummer. Uh, very, very creative spirit. Um, has wonderful arrangement ideas and we had some really awesome times uh working on some of this material and going out and playing in clubs and uh just playing wherever we could um around new jersey doing all original music and you know which is a tough thing to do around here but uh we had some awesome times and I remember uh, one of the last gigs, I think it was one of the last gigs we ever did, we opened for Meatloaf at the Stone Pony, and Meatloaf was touring Europe at the time. And they, they came in with a full band, like like everything, horns, you know, multiple guitars, singers, and the Stone Pony is not that, you know, gigantic of a, you know, stage situation where you can... Uh, you know, facilitate that kind of a band, but they do, they, they make it happen. Um, and we, you know, we were up there three piece and playing songs that nobody ever heard before. And, uh, what a great response. It was just a really fun night, but I remember meatloaf came on the stage and, uh, with his band and it was so loud that we could, I, I, my whole family was there. Nobody lasted more than three songs. It was just, you were, it was, like white noise you were just plastered to the back wall and your ears were bleeding it was that insane so uh but um i remember mike introducing uh 
me to Charles Pure, Charlie Pure, and and his um his uh, explanation of Charlie to his description of him was he's the tightest bass player I've ever played with, and Charlie was exactly that. He was um he is that kind of bass player. Just has has just such a style and tone and sound where. You know, you can count on him. He's just a rock, you know, and just a just a phenomenal, phenomenal bass player. And what a great guy, too. So I had a ball working with these guys. So when we went into the studio, I remember we cut, I think it was five songs. And we just did them um, just because we were playing out, um, you know, relentlessly at the time. Not a, not a huge schedule, but we were playing out a lot. And we were really tight. So I just got into the vocal booth with my Strat and a mic in front of me, and um, and those guys set up outside in the studio, and we just did it kind of live, actually. And then I built some overdubs like months and months later. It just took me forever to create the time, and at the time, at, at the time, I didn't have the funds together to finish it. So it took a little while to get back. And I remember working with Don uh, in the studio. And brought up my DX7 and the Strat and set up everything up. And I had a I had a rig at the time that I played live. I used to play in stereo on my guitar, which I loved. I set up two Bose 802s left and right, had effects going through there, and then I also had a Marshall stack um, behind me. So I had this kind of a a, a big sound, I would say, because playing three piece, you want it to be. Um, you want to have that dimension of, you want the depth, you know, you don't want it to be too, um, especially playing like pop rock, you want it to be uh, kind of a, a big sound. So we had some fun with that and we went in and cut five tracks and Family of Strangers was on the list and we did that and uh, just had a really, really awesome time doing that. So I'm going to lay the lyrics on for you and then um, I'm going to play the track as we say our goodbye. I can hear the sound of footsteps walking on down the street, a cadence shuffle worn by kids with frantic feet, second mother, third home, two-step brothers and me. I can't believe this is what God has planned for me. There's no blood ties here, so we've become a family of strangers. No more leather-bound traditions that we used to know. We've become a family of strangers. Inside out and upside down makes it hard for love to grow. I can see young fatherless faces. Silhouettes flash on my wall. I can hear them asking questions as they stumble and fall. Hey, Ma, can you tell me what my father was like? Did he walk and talk like me? And did he have ambition like me? I would have loved to see, but we've become a family of strangers. So that's the song lyrics, and um, I'm just going to wrap up and play this on the way out for you guys. And wanted to thank you for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution today, featuring KO Electric and Family of Strangers. So if you guys have not yet gone over to dharmicevolution.com, check it out. There's 201 shows on the website, artists all over the world. You can check out their songs 
their photos, their videos, their blogs, all about the life and times of being an artist on planet Earth here at the Dharmic Evolution, now in 71 countries and, uh, and catapulting all over the world for your enjoyment. Also, go to the Facebook community page. If you've got a new album, a new song, a new video, if you've got a new book you've just launched, if you're playing a gig somewhere or you just want to stop by, check us out and say hello, we put that page together to feature you and your content. Please do so. For you ladies and gents who like video, go to the James O'Connor Agency YouTube channel and you can see any featured guest who's been on this show over the past, I think we started this six months ago. So there's uh, there's dozens of episodes up there. You can see and hear the full video um, rendition of this podcast on our YouTube channel. So check that out. What's your favorite platform? Do you like Stitcher Radio? Do you like iTunes? Do you like Spotify? Do you like Pandora? This show is on all of those platforms, so plug into your favorite. You can download the show and get it delivered to you each and every week um, as the episodes come out. And we do appreciate the support that you've thrown towards Dharmic Evolution. And one last request, if you're digging this show and you really like what you hear and you're an iTunes fan, please uh, give us a review on iTunes in the podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review us there. We really appreciate it. That's a big help to this show. Hey, that's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and international talent agent. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Dharmic Evolution. And a special thank you and shout out to my uh, bandmates, Mike Carroll, Charlie Peer. Thanks so much for the music and the memories. It was a really, really kick-ass period in uh, my life working with you guys. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, i see you from the stage, but right now it's time to visit Family of Strangers. Silhouettes flash on my wall I can 
asking questions as they stop. 